Hello, this is Diksha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Wednesday, the 27th of October. India recorded over 12,000 COVID-19 cases and 356 deaths in the last 24 hours. The total COVID tally stood at over 3 crore 42 lakh, while the death toll crossed 4 lakh 55 thousand. However, these figures have widely been reported to be undercounts. So far, India has administered over 102 crore COVID-19 vaccine doses, of which 64 lakh doses were given yesterday. The World Health Organization's technical advisory group sought additional clarifications from Indian pharma Bharat Biotech in order to conduct a final risk-benefit assessment for an emergency use listing of its COVID-19 vaccine Covaxin. As per WHO's chief scientist Soumya Swaminathan's tweet, the group is slated to meet on 3rd November after they receive data from Bharat Biotech. In mid-October, WHO had said that it cannot cut corners in deciding to recommend Covaxin for an emergency use listing. Meanwhile, the central government wrote to the West Bengal government expressing concern about the rise in cases in the state following Durga Puja celebrations. Union Health Secretary Rajesh Bhushan noted that COVID cases in Kolkata district increased from 217 infections in the week ending October 14 to 272 cases in the week ending October 21. Globally, COVID-19 has infected over 24 crore people so far, claiming the lives of over 49 lakh 54,000. The Supreme Court today appointed a three-member technical committee to investigate the allegations that the Pegasus software was used to snoop on Indian citizens, including journalists and political leaders. Pegasus is a military-grade spyware made by NSO Group Technologies, an Israeli cybersecurity firm, which was then reportedly sold to wetted governments. During today's hearing, Chief Justice N.V. Ramana said that former Supreme Court Judge R.V. Ravindran, along with former Research and Analysis Wing Chief Alok Joshi and cybersecurity expert Sudeep Oberoi, will oversee the functioning of the committee. Ramana stated in the order that the committee will also comprise professors of cybersecurity and science Naveen Kumar Chaudhary, Prabharan P. and Anil Gumaste. The court also asked the committee to expedite investigation into the allegations and further listed the matter for hearing after eight weeks. Ramana noted that the submissions by the petitioners deserved merit as there wasn't any specific denial on the allegations from the central government. On September 13, the Supreme Court had reserved its order on the petitions after Solicitor General Tushar Mehta, representing the centre, had refused to file an affidavit in the case. He had said that filing an affidavit on whether the spyware was used will not serve national interest. Chief Justice N.V. Ramana today stated in the order that the restriction on privacy can only be imposed in matters of national security and that this does not mean that the state gets a free pass every time the spectre of national security is raised. Ramana also stated that in a democratic country, indiscriminate spying of individuals cannot be allowed without following the procedures established by law. He said, and I quote, It is undeniable that under surveillance, it affects the right and freedom of people and how it is exercised. It is also about the freedom of press and the important role played by them, unquote. In August, responding to the allegations, the Ministry of Defence had told the Rajya Sabha that it has not had any transaction with the Israeli firm NSO Group Technologies. The Indian Express reported today that in Haryana's Gurugram, a group of Hindutva organizations, including the Samyukt Hindu Sanghar Samiti 
an umbrella body of 22 hindutva outfits said yesterday that they would not allow the members of the muslim community to offer namaz in public spaces if the administration did not move to stop the friday prayers the hindutva organizations had earlier submitted a memo to the gurugram deputy commissioner that demanded that the district administration stop muslims from offering namaz in public places on fridays mahavir bharadwaj the unit chief of the samyukt hindu sangharsh samiti told reporters and i quote we are giving a polite warning we won't submit more memorandums it will then be the responsibility of the administration to maintain peace not ours we are ready for lathis we are ready to go to jail but this will not be tolerated unquote according to a report in the hindu these hindutva organizations have been protesting against muslims praying in public places in gurugram sector 47 for over a month now The protesters claim that the place where the namaz was being offered isn't listed in the 30 places designated for the prayers in 2018. They profess the space to be a private property. Altaf Ahmed, a local leader of the Muslim community, told the Hindu and I quote, "I make an appeal to the state government to allocate land to the Muslim community in various sectors of New Gurugram so that mosques can be built at a distance of 3 to 4 kilometers. The community shall pay for the land and build mosques." Till that time we should be allowed to pray our obligatory namaz in the open unquote in the memorandum submitted yesterday the hindutva organizations threatened to launch an agitation across haryana if no action is taken the gurugram deputy commissioner stated that the district administration has been taking stock of the situation he said and i quote the duty magistrates and the police have been accordingly briefed we will ensure that communal harmony is not disturbed unquote speaking of this Last to last Friday, 15th October, my colleague Tanishka Sodhi reached the site in Gurugram where members of the Resident Welfare Association and those from right-wing Hindutva outfits have been protesting every week against the offering of namaz on a parking lot in sector 47, which is a designated namaz spot since 2018. The protesters, often led by Hindu vigilante group Bharat Mata Vahini, shout slogans like "Open namaz band karo" and "Jai Shri Ram." To give you a hint of what these protests are like, I'll read you what one of the protesters, a resident of Gurugram, told Tanishka. Khushi Chaudhary, a 24-year-old school teacher at a local school, said, and I quote, "Doing something like this in an open area, that too in a society, it's not a village or some place you can do anything without permission, and they are doing it in an illegal way." Unquote. To know what others demonstrating against open namaz had to say and what else they demand, read Tanishka's full report on newslaundry.com. It is titled "They Can All Be Terrorists: A Day with Right Wing and RWA Protesters Who Want to Stop Friday Namaz." Listeners, these are the kind of factual and detailed ground reports that are made possible at News Laundry because of the support of our subscribers who pay to power our coverage. Because we are a completely advertisement-free. public interest and public funded news platform in recent years multiple attempts have been made to silence us and our work the new one is by india today tv today news has filed a defamation and copyright suit and wants rupees 2 crore in damages from us we however will continue to cause discomfort to media barons by holding them accountable for what they call news coverage in fact we started with this mission as a media critique platform in 2012 In order to continue the work we do, we need your support. If you're not a subscriber already, go to newslaundry.com today and hit that red subscribe button and pay to keep news free. Yesterday, a mosque, 
multiple shops and houses were vandalized and two other shops were set ablaze in the Pani Sagar subdivision of North Tripura during a rally of the Hindutva group Vishwa Hindu Parishad against the communal violence in Bangladesh that broke out earlier this month. Shobik Day, the Pani Sagar subdivisional police officer, told the Indian Express that the VHP protest rally of around 3,500 people was organized in the area. He said, and I quote, A section of VHP activists at the rally ransacked a mosque in the Chamtilla area. Later, three houses and three shops were ransacked and two shops set on fire in the Rova Bazar area, around 800 yards away from the first incident. Unquote. The Pani Sagar police mentioned that the ransacked houses and gutted shops belong to the members of the Muslim community and a case is being registered on the complaint from one of them. Shobik also informed that heavy security arrangements have been made in all sensitive areas in the vicinity of Pani Sagar where the incident occurred in order to avoid further deterioration of law and order. Narayana Das, a Bajrangda leader who was also a part of the rally, said that they were gathered at Pani Sagar motor stand and were scheduled to walk through different areas including Chamtilla, Rova and Jalebasha. He claimed that some youngsters in front of the mosque in Chamtilla abused them and were armed with swords and other weapons. Last week, the Tripura State Unit of the Islamic organization Jamaat Ulama had submitted a memorandum to the office of Tripura Chief Minister Biplab Kumar Dev alleging attacks on mosques and minority habitations for three days. The Goa government told the Bombay High Court today that the Goa Session Court's verdict acquitting journalist Tarun Tejpal of a sexual assault case from 2013 was quote-unquote retrograde and fit for the 5th century. Tejpal, former editor-in-chief of the Helka magazine, was accused of sexually harassing his then-colleague in November 2013 in Goa, where they were attending an event. He was acquitted by a Sessions Court in Goa on May 21 this year. In its order, The court had said that the complainant had not shown the kind of normative behavior expected from a victim of sexual assault, thereby granting Tejpal the benefit of doubt. The Goa government had subsequently filed an appeal against the acquittal in the Bombay High Court. Tushar Mehta, Solicitor General of India, representing the Goa government, told the bench of Justices Revati Mohite Dere and M.S. Jawalkar that the complainant was named and shamed. Justice Dere said that they will no longer allow lawyers to read the evidence and will read it themselves, in not just this case but all cases of rape. Tejpal's lawyer Amit Desai, meanwhile, requested the court to consider two applications. The first plea challenged the maintainability of the Goa government's appeal against the acquittal, in which Desai said that the public prosecutor did not obtain permission from the Goa government to file the plea challenging the acquittal. The second application was a plea seeking an in-camera hearing of the matter, which the Goa government opposed. The case will be heard next on November 16. The Election Commission today issued a warning to Assam Chief Minister Himanta Biswa Sarma for violation of the Model Code of Conduct in his campaign for the October 30 bypolls in the state. A notice was issued to Sarma by the Election Commission on October 25th based on the complaints filed by State Congress leaders Debabrata Saikia and Bhupen Kumar Bora. The poll body had asked the Chief Minister to submit a reply within 24 hours. The Congress leaders alleged that Sarma making announcements about government-funded projects at election meetings held in Babanipur, Thaura and Mriani Assembly constituencies amounted to the violation of the Election Commission rules that prohibit announcements of new projects, programs, concessions or financial grants by the ruling party when the model code of conduct is in place.
In its order today, the Election Commission said that Sarma's reply to the notice claims that the announcements were made about the projects that had already been promised in the state's budget speeches for the last two years. EC said that Sarma's reply is in contravention to the spirit of the poll body's advisory on the model code of conduct. Yesterday, Canadian President Justin Trudeau's cabinet appointed Indian-origin Canadian politician Anita Anand as the country's defence minister. This was done as a part of a cabinet reshuffle in which Anita replaced long-term serving Defence Minister Harjeet Sajjan, who had recently drawn criticism for his handling of a sexual misconduct crisis in the military. Sajjan has now been made the International Development Minister. The Canadian military has faced pressure from politicians and civil society, pressing to have a better system for the prevention and handling of sexual misconduct allegations. One of the demands has been for an independent system of reporting sexual misconduct to ensure that allegations are handled outside of the chain of command. Anita Anand is the second woman to serve as Canada's Defence Minister. Justin Trudeau said, while appointing her, and I quote, One of the things people will be learning about Anita Anand over the next months is that she is a world-class expert in governance that she will bring to bear to make sure that Canadian armed forces, the leadership thereof, are worthy of the extraordinary men and women who chose to serve. Unquote. As part of the reshuffle, Melanie Joy, who was serving as the Minister of Economic Development, was made the Foreign Minister. Meanwhile, Tristia Freeland continues to be the Deputy Prime Minister. Trudeau also formed a new Ministry of Mental Health and Addictions, which will be headed by Carolyn Bennett, who earlier served as the Minister of Crown Indigenous Relations. That's all the news we have for you today. Have a great day or a good night wherever you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. Catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport. Visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And subscribe to our YouTube channel.